Hi, I'm Steve Rizika with Rizika Ranch in Lomita, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cattle feeders look toward next year. The Texas Cattle Feeders Annual Convention has wrapped up in Frisco, Texas. We visited with the group's chairman about what next year holds, and we'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A special honor has come the way of the research director for the A&M Systems Vero program in Canyon. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. Cotton management on the South Plains of West Texas and ever-changing weather patterns. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Priorities for the 2023 Farm Bill have been announced by the nation's largest general farm organization. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Texas Cattle Feeders Association's annual convention has wrapped up in Frisco. Michael Besner of Besner Beef Feed Yard in Dalhart is the incoming chairman for TCFA and will lead the organization for the next year. I asked him what his top priorities will be for the coming year. I would really like for our industry to make some traction with a legitimate traceability program where in the case of hoof and mouth or whatever animal disease we have to deal with, that we could trace and limit the spread of that disease and be able to continue commerce if we weren't affected by it. And legislative issues will be at the top of the list this year. Well, we will continue to fight to be able to market cattle the way we want to market without government intervention. And then there's a long list of regulatory issues as far as waters of the U.S. It seems like it just keeps going on and on. One way TCFA does that is with their beef pack, which is a big part of the convention. You know, that's probably one of the strongest points of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association is our ability to impact the legislative process. We do a great job in Texas and nationally. It's just important that we make sure our voice is heard, that we can continue doing business the way we want to do business. TCFA incoming chairman Michael Besner. Fed cattle prices hit a seven-year high last week, and more price gains are on the way, according to Randy Block of Cattle Facts. We're still very confident that we're going to see 
better markets continue to present themselves as we go down the road. But these elevated grain prices have obviously, and hay cost, mm-hmm. have actually, you know, they basically have gone up, our costs have gone up just about the same number of dollars that our prices have gone up. So we really need to see, you know, a significant move in these prices over the next 12 months where we actually can see some real profitability come back into the for these cow-calf producers. Block says those higher prices are needed to keep the industry afloat, given the massive increase in input costs that have pushed cost of gain higher. Again, we've got cost of gains that are that are easily in here today, depending on the regions of the country. You'd be looking at cost of gains on cattle and feed yards from anywhere from a buck and a quarter to a buck forty-five. And if I were to make those forecasts looking down the road, it looks to me like we'd be looking at a sure a dollar thirty to a dollar forty here over the next several months. So these are unprecedented cost of gains. Randy Block of Cattle Facts. A special honor has been awarded to the research director of the Texas A&M's Vero program in Canyon. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Vero is the acronym for the Texas A&M System's Veterinary Education, Research, and Outreach Program. It's headquartered on the West Texas A&M campus in Canyon. As we continue to bring you up to date on developments with Vero, one thing to know is that the program's research director, Paul Morley, has just received a very special honor. Dr. Morley has been selected as the holder of the newly established Sally Rao McIntosh Endowed Chair for Veterinary Strategic Initiatives. The generous support from the McIntosh family does provide an endowment, and so there are funds that do flow from that that'll support my research, support the research of our group. Primarily, we anticipate using that to support personnel that are critical to our research needs. Beyond that, being named as an endowed chair is a very big honor at Texas A&M and in the A&M system, and so it does provide prestige for our program as well as for the Vero effort in general. And Vero's research portfolio is growing as it continues to serve the needs of animal agriculture. We have a lot of research ongoing with the faculty here. We are using cutting-edge genomic technologies to understand antimicrobial resistance and host response at the DNA and RNA level at the genomic level, which is very cutting edge, allows us to go beyond what has been done before. We're also taking new looks at old diseases that are very critical to food production, such as respiratory disease in cattle and other species, as well as problems that create the most use of antibiotics in cattle, such as liver abscesses and respiratory disease. More about Vero in future reports. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Constantly changing weather patterns have challenged Texas Southern Plains cotton growers this year. Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Lubbock area farmer for an update. For the latest on agriculture in West Texas, we go to Eddie Griffiths in the Lubbock area. And Eddie, uh, cotton farmers there are trying to manage their crop as best they can, considering the fact that uh, the weather continues playing havoc with them one way or another. What's the latest uh, with that crop? Yeah, Tom, you're exactly right. We've talked primarily most of the year about it being too dry. And now for those producers that have cotton left out in the field, it's the opposite problem. They're waiting for it to get dry enough and try to continue 
defoliation methods to go ahead and get that crop out of the field. Gotten some pretty good rainfall, which has definitely been beneficial for the wheat crop out there. But as far as cotton is concerned and, and harvest, we need some uh, hot, dry weather to go ahead and get in the field and, and get that crop out of there. But had some moisture and, and some more moisture could be on the way. So it's going to be hit and miss as far as getting this crop out of the field. About how much rain have you received here recently to keep those farmers out of the field? Over the past week or so, you've seen anywhere from inch, inch and a half of rain. And if they've started defoliation, knocking those leaves off and getting the bowls to open, it makes guys real nervous, especially without much protection out there to protect that uh, open cotton bowl where it starts stringing out and see some grade drops. So the sooner the better where they can get out there and go ahead and annihilate that plant and get it ready for harvest. On the flip side, unfortunately, there are some producers that have had to go out there and pretty much destroy their crops because crops really did not make it this year. Yeah, I mean, there are situations where you thought, well, they're going to be defoliating that crop pretty soon, but after adjusters go out there and look at it, it looks like it's really good, but there's not much out there. You might see a, a plant that generally would have yielded two bells that might have two or three bowls on it, and that's it. And that primarily due to the hot, dry weather and then the uh, late rain, and then that cotton plant got all the vegetative growth. Eddie, thanks for that report. Thank you, Tom. That is Eddie Griffiths. He is reporting for us today from Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Priorities for the 2023 Farm Bill have been announced by the nation's largest general farm organization. Gary Joyner has the details. The most significant piece of legislation that impacts farmers and ranchers is on the calendar next year, the 2023 Farm Bill. The right package is needed to reduce food insecurity, bolster national security, and encourage long-term stability for farm and ranch families. The American Farm Bureau Federation released its priorities for the bill. It's among the first national organizations to do so. There are four priorities continuing current Farm Bill program funding, maintaining a unified Farm Bill that includes nutrition programs and farm programs together, prioritizing risk management tools that include federal crop insurance and commodity programs, and ensuring adequate USDA staffing and resources to provide technical assistance. The priorities include more than 60 recommendations over multiple titles of the Farm Bill. The recommendations include reference price increases for commodities, more transparency for milk checks, funding for conservation programs, rural development, and streamlining of nutrition programs to get food to those who need it most. The current 2018 Farm Bill has worked well, but tweaks are needed. The 2018 package expires in September. A lot of work lies ahead for the agriculture committees in the new Congress. They must cobble together a new farm bill that earns enough support in the House and Senate to cross the finish line. It will likely be a sprint to get there. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Animal Health Commission shares some tips for hunters who plan on hunting in a cattle fever tick quarantine zone. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have those tips coming up on Texas Ag Today. And if you have a student interested in veterinary science, they may want to check out an upcoming opportunity. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau Insurance has protected fellow Texans with auto, home, health, and life insurance since 1952. With more than 260,000 square miles of land and 27 million people, that's a lot to cover. Whether you're wrangling cattle or wrangling kids, we're proud to protect Texans in all Texan ways of life. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to get insurance for Texans by Texans. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If you have a student interested in veterinary science, they may want to check out an upcoming opportunity. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has the details. The day camp is being held at the Fossil Rim Wildlife Center in Glenrose. The camp will include a tour of their facility, their veterinary care center, information on darting equipment, and a panel discussion on career opportunities in wildlife, zoo medicine, and veterinary medicine in general. These camps are sponsored by the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service for rural students to get exposure to veterinary medicine. Day camps and overnight camps are held all summer, and this is the first fall camp at Glen Rose. There is a summer camp in Hebronville that focuses on cattle, wildlife, and land stewardship. A camp in McMullen County focuses on delivering calves and livestock injections. Two-day camps were held this past July in the El Paso area where students learned about cattle, horses, and goats. The overnight camps were held at Texas A&M University in Kingsville, at Texas A&M in College Station, at Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, at West Texas A&M in Canyon, at Tarleton State in Stephenville, and the Lone Star College. Depending on the camp, students get exposure to veterinary medicine and hands-on work with horses, cattle, sheep, goats, and even small animals, and learn about physical exams, anesthesia, monitoring of patients, pain medication, and surgical monitoring. In 2023, the program plans on offering at least eight overnight camps, and the number of students will be limited to 20 per camp. So if you know of a student that is interested in veterinary medicine, these camps are a great opportunity. And if interested, Nikki Boutwell is the program coordinator, and her email is Boutwell at ag.tamu.edu. That's N-I-K-K-I dot B-O-U-T-W-E-L-L at ag.tamu.edu. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission has some tips for hunters who plan on hunting in a cattle fever tick quarantine zone. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. On our last show, we told you that people who plan to hunt in several counties near the Texas-Mexico border are required to have any white-tailed deer, nilgai, antelope, or exotic cervid they harvest inspected for cattle fever ticks before leaving the area. Those requirements and the cattle fever tick quarantine zones are in place to protect the Texas and U.S. cattle industries from cattle fever ticks, which can be deadly for cattle. Quarantine zones are currently in effect in portions of the following counties. Valverde, Kinney, Maverick, Webb, Zapata, Star, Hidalgo, Cameron, and Willacy. Eli Benavides, Supervising Inspector for the Texas Animal Health Commission's Willacy County Fever Tick Response Office, joins us again today with some tips for people who plan to hunt in one of the quarantine areas. The inspection process is not a very hard process. It takes maybe 30 minutes from the time we arrive to the time that they get permitted to leave. We do encourage hunters, though, if you know you're in a quarantine area and you know you want to move a hideout or a cape or whatever it may be, call early in the process, right? So as soon as you shoot that animal, give us a call. That way you're on our radar. 
and we're going in your direction while you're skinning the animal and getting ready for the treatment. So the hide and or cape needs to be removed from the carcass for treatment. We cannot treat the hide while it's on the animal. Just that way the meat is not contaminated with any of our sprays or anything like that. Have your information ready, the taxidermy you're going to use, their address. That way, as soon as the treatment is done, we can get your permit issued and then you are free to go to your destination. The phone numbers for those inspectors are on the TAHC website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It is time again to check out the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this, it could be too late to save your truck and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to OLI.org for info. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex was mostly lower Tuesday as traders were less enthusiastic following Monday's highs. Analysts say the market may not have the support it needs to go higher right now. October live cattle were up 7 cents to 151.67. December live cattle down 82 cents to 153.30. February live cattle down 27 cents to 156.70. Corn trading higher on Tuesday also contributed to feeder cattle trading lower for the most part. October feeder cattle did trade higher though. October fed cattle up 92 cents to 176.60. November feeder cattle down $1.22 to 177.92. January feeder cattle down $1.70 to 180.25. Box beef was higher Tuesday. Choice up $3.95 to $261.87. Select up $1.79 to $227.40. Now let's take a look at those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Rodney Butler at Beeville Livestock puts on a great sale every Friday. Rodney, how did this last one turn out? It went all right. We had some good cattle again. Uh, the market was softer. It was up and down. That old market's just getting where it's up and down, up and down on them prices. But uh, the good cattle so good. The heavier cattle were pretty steady. The lighter calves might have been five to six cents off. Okay, let's walk the pens. All right, we had 557 head, uh, no horses, and 10 sheep and goats. And that old market, I thought, was pretty steady. Your two to three hundred pound kids were dollar forty four to dollar seventy three. Heifers a dollar twenty to dollar twenty seven. Your three hundred four hundred pound steers a dollar forty three to dollar sixty five. Heifers a dollar thirty to dollar forty five. Four hundred five hundred pound steers a dollar thirty eight to dollar sixty five. Heifers a dollar thirty to a dollar fifty three. Your five hundred six hundred pound steers a dollar thirty six to 
157. Heifers, a dollar 30 to a dollar 49. Your six, 700 pound steers, 131 to 150. Heifers, 118 to 142. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were warden 23 to 145. And heifers were 122 to 133. Packer cows were 20 to 73 cents. Bulls brought from 30 to 96. Young stalker cows brought anywhere from 73 to 85 cents. We didn't have any bred cows or pears, and we had a couple of horses Friday. They brought from 410 to 550, sir. What do you know for this week? I know of a few cattle coming this week. Not not a whole, not a bunch of big bunches this week that I know of. And we have the South Texas Hereford Association sale this Saturday. Good deal. We'll tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Young Reachman there at the cell barn, 361-358-1727. Or Young Reachman on my mobile, 645-5002. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. December lean hogs were up 52 cents Tuesday to 88.45. February lean hogs were up 22 cents to 90.67. Block cheese fell two cents Tuesday to two dollars and four cents. Barrels were down five and a half cents to two dollars even. Butter fell three and three quarter cents to three dollars and fifteen cents. Class three milk fell two cents Tuesday to twenty one seventy eight a hundred weight. November class three milk down thirty one cents to twenty eighty six a hundred weight. After closing sharply lower to limit down on Monday, cotton rebounded Tuesday despite its oversold condition on a lower dollar. December cotton up 234 points to 78.47. March cotton up 220 points to 77.94. December 2023 cotton up 78 points to 73.68. Corn also rebounded Tuesday on a weaker dollar. December corn up four and three quarters to six eighty six and a quarter. March corn up four and a half to six ninety two and a quarter. September corn up three and a half to six thirty nine even. December hard red wheat down three and a half to nine thirty four and a half. March hard red wheat down three to nine thirty four even. Crude oil was higher Tuesday on a weaker dollar and supply concerns. December crude oil up 46 cents to 85.04 a barrel. January crude oil up 44 cents to 84.03 a barrel. Now let's check out our financial markets and see how they fared on Tuesday. The Dow was up 332 points to 31,831. The S&P 500 up 60 points to 3,857. The Nasdaq was up 246 points to 11,199. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.